Several years ago, Newsweek magazine had a lead article, and uh, I'm paraphrasing it, basically what it was asking, when, when your heart stops and your, your respiration ceases and life leaves your body, what, what happens? What, what lies beyond? What's the next stage or the next step? If, is there anything beyond? Well, this morning, we're beginning a three-part series, and we're going to try to look at what God says about life and then what lies ahead for all of us. If you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to find three places. If you don't have a Bible, the Scriptures will be on the screens. But we're going to kind of jump from Hebrews 9, Hebrews 9, if you have a Bible. Then if you flip a little over to your left to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians comes after 1 Corinthians, right? Y'all still with me? And then find Revelation 20. They're really, it's, it's a little bit to your right of the Hebrews passage. They're, they're really in close proximity. Hebrews 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and Revelation 20. And let's begin with this, what God says what what lies beyond what's ahead for all of us. And the first thing is that is this death lies ahead for all of us. Now we've locked the doors, you cannot get out. And certainly part of the, the sermon this morning is pretty tough. But here's the great thing about any sermon, if it's preached properly, it can always end with cake and ice cream. If you do the right thing with it. I mean, God never says, you're going to hell, ha, 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 let's pray and go home. That's never how the Bible addresses tough issues. So, stay with me and know that, that this can have a very happy conclusion for you and me. But this is the truth. It's just the absolute truth. If you go to a medical doctor, you want him to tell you the truth. If you go to a preacher, you want him to tell you the truth. I hope that's what you want. Death's ahead for all of us. Several years ago, five billionaires announced that they were trying to invest their money to put an end to death. Doesn't that sound noble? And they were investing money in all kinds of biotechnology, regenerate, you know, you could, on the cellular level, you could be renewed and restored and maybe never die. And you know what? I'm all for life extension. The older you get, you're for that. And and a better quality of life. But it doesn't matter how much money you have. You you can't stop death from coming. In Hebrews 9.27... It says, just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Folks, the words in the Bible are important, and we're going to look deeply at words this morning. And the word appointed there, it is is appointed for man to die. It means it's reserved, it's laid up. In other words, God, for everyone in this room, God has set aside a time that we are going to leave this earth. And it's not for you to determine when that is. That's, that's been determined by God, and, and we don't play with that. We let God decide that. He says we will die once. And the Bible says once means that you're not going to be reincarnated as a cricket or come back as a piece of pizza. I mean, you're going to die. I want to come back as a fire ant and bite people. Wouldn't that be fun? Put me in a yard with someone who's been mean to me here, and I can bite them for, you know, at least 10 years. No, you're going to die. I'm going to die. We die once. And, and, and the Bible says this, talking about physical death. That's it. That's it. Natural death. We come. We live. And then at some point, we leave this earth. 
How that happens is what we worry about a lot of times. You know, how's it going to happen? I said, I saw this this week. You are more likely to die by being hit on the head by a coconut. We've got a picture of a coconut, I think. A coconut. We don't have a picture. There it is. <laughs> or you have more chance of being hit on the head by a coconut and dying than by eaten by a shark. We have a picture of a shark. Now, let me just pause and say this. Bring the coconut on. Amen? I mean, if you've gone to church here three months, you know I love water and I hate sharks. If I'm in the water and I see a fin, Jesus, Peter, and Chris will have walked on water getting out of the way. The way I see it is if, if you're in the water and a shark comes, it's all women and children for themselves. Amen? I mean, you get out of the water. Bring the coconuts on. But that's what the, the stats tell us. A coconut may kill you. I, I don't know, and you, you don't know. The truth is that we're going to die. There was a man, this is a true story, businessman in Japan, in August of 1945, went to Hiroshima. Do you know what Hiroshima? You know anything about that? On a business trip. And while he was there on August the 6th, an atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. And he survived. He was injured, but he survived. And and a day later, he got cleaned up, and he went home 190 miles away to his home in Nagasaki, where two days later, another atomic bomb was dropped. And this man actually survived. Can you imagine? They drop an atomic bomb on Shreveport. You're there, and you live, and you come back to Ruston, and they drop one on Ruston, and you live. You know, you'd think you're bulletproof, wouldn't you? Well, he lived for a long time, but in 2010, at the age of 93, he died. See, you can survive all kinds of things, but eventually death's coming for you. It's coming for me. It's coming for all of us. They say in America about 300 people die an hour. That means that in the last uh, five minutes, we've had about 10 people die. Or in the last 10 minutes, we've had five to 10 people die in America. It's incredible. Death is a part of life. It's, it's, it's what lies ahead. Now, here's where the atheist and the Bible-believing person would differ. An atheist would tell you that's it. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says the judgment of God lies beyond death for all of us. The Bible says that we will die. Not something we like, we look forward to. It says it's going to happen. Hebrews 9, it says that man is destined to die and after that face the judgment. That little word after Seems so insignificant. But what it it means, it means to accompany or be a companion to. In other words, God says that, that what lies beyond, this is God's word, that what lies beyond for all of us or lies ahead is death. And when accompanied with a companion to death is the word judgment. And the word judgment there means a separation. To be a separation means a judicial uh, inspection and a passing of sentence one way or the other. That's what... The Bible says happens for all of us. Death is the end of your physical body, but your soul and your spirit, the part of you that is alive and breathing and well and thinking and reasoning, not breathing, that's your physical body, but it's alive and well and thinking, will live on forever is what the Bible says, and you will stand before God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 10, and the two passages in 2 Corinthians and in Revelation are two of the most clear on judgment in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, for we must all appear. We must. It's absolutely urgent. It's a necessity. It's going to happen. All means everybody. Lost people, saved people, the totality of individuals, every person. 
If you're eight years old and you die, you will stand before the judgment of God. If you're 98, you will stand before the judgment of God. We will all stand before the judgment of God. I mean, he uses the word appear. The, the word appear there, that's it. Okay, well, I'm just going to show up. I, I appear in class. I appeared at church, yada, yada. The word appear means a lot more in the biblical uh, meaning, the biblical word. It means to be revealed. It means, in other words, when we stand before God, God will have the spiritual x-ray, MRI, and CAT scan machine, and, and our lives will be revealed before God as we stand before God. And he talks about the judgment seat of Christ. That judgment seat is a great biblical word, bima. The bima doesn't mean anything to you and me, but to a Greek person 2,000 years ago, it meant a lot because a bima in a city even the size of Ruston had a bima. It was a, a place where politicians would come and speak. It's where people might make speeches for or against something. It was also where judicial judgments were passed. You come, to, uh, you're guilty of something, or maybe you needed a judge to decide a case between you and someone else. You would go to the bema, and the judge would make the decision there at the Olympic Games, where the awards were given. See, judgment is good and bad for the Christian. It's not just bad, but there's rewards. And the Bema was the place at the Olympics where the judgment, where the, the, the medals were passed out and the wreaths were passed out. We go over to Revelation chapter 20, and we see a, a, a pretty a scary and tough view of the judgment here. In verse 11, it says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and there was no place found for them. That beauty, the purity of the whiteness and, and the, the awesomeness that the things fled away from it. And I saw the dead, great and st- small, standing before the throne. And the books were open. Then another book was open, which is the book of life. We're going to look at those more in a moment. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. I want to go ahead and look at verse 13 and 14. And the sea gave up the dead. Who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to what they'd done. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. That's 14. And if anyone's name was not written in the, found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, why does God mention the sea here? Isn't that, that's kind of unusual. Well, here's why. 2,000 years ago, a lot of times Jewish people thought if you didn't get a proper burial, your soul would wander the earth. I mean, it was, that would have been a terrible thing. Nobody wants to be at sea and go down with the Titanic and be eaten by fish. You know, that's not a good thing. You're not going to be proper, properly buried for that. But God was saying this. There's no fear. By the way, if heaven's your home, God's going to get you. Uh, if the other place is your home, God's going to find you. It, it says death and Hades. Hades does not mean hell. That just means place of the dead. It's almost like the Bible is redundant there. That, that death and the place of the dead gave up the ones who had died to be judged before God. Now, listen to me carefully for just a second. I hope you listen to me carefully the whole time. But scholars differ whether there's one judgment or there's two judgment or there's some would even say three judgments that's not my purpose this morning and i don't think it matters to you ultimately you know why because here's the bottom here's what i can tell you for sure we're going to stand before god and if there's a second judgment of you it's not going to be any different than the first one it's not like you're going to be Get a chance to straighten it out wherever you are before a second time. So don't worry about in your mind whether there's two judgments for you or for me. There's going to be a judgment, what the Bible says, that all of us will stand before God, every single one of us, and we're going to have to give an account for our lives. Years ago, a young man had failed out of college. He 
flunked two semesters in a row. And he did exactly what I would do. He called his mama. (laughs) And he said, Mother, I failed. I flunked out of school. I've got to sit out a semester. Prepare, Dad. I'll be home tomorrow. Before he left the next morning, he had a note in his dorm room. Dad is prepared. Prepare thyself. (laughs) And I would tell you this morning, a little judgment humor there to elevate the mood. I would tell you this morning that God's prepared for this. It's not a matter of God being prepared or God getting ready for it. The wonderful news is, is that we can get ready for it. God lays this out, and I believe God wants me to lay it out to you and so you can be ready for it. You don't want to go to the doctor, and you're, you're dying, and he goes, oh, you're good, you're great. You want him to be honest with you. If he can fix it, for sure. And, and listen, God lays this out to us so we can make this thing right. But let's look at the third part of this this morning, and this is where it starts getting personal. Christians will stand before God for a comprehensive final. You're a Christian this morning. A lot of confusion on the judgment. Let's try to clarify today. Christian, if you're a Christian today, you need to leave here, Christian. You're going to stand before God. I'm going to stand before God for a comprehensive final. You know what a comprehensive final is? That's when your teacher is really mean, and they give you a test at the end of the semester over everything. Have any of you had mean teachers like that? If that teacher's in the room, feel free to point at them right now. Because that's tough, isn't it? And a lot of you who if you work on a doctor's degree, eventually you're going to have a comprehensive final, which will be brutal, brutal, brutal. It's over everything. So when we stand for God, we're going to have a comprehensive final of our lives and how we've lived our life. Christian, that includes you and me. Let's look at the two parts of this judgment for a Christian. The first thing is, you're going to heaven. Can I get an amen on that? If you miss nothing else, get this. If you are a Christian and you're not a Christian, you become one today. You can leave here knowing that when you stand before God, the very first part of the judgment is God's going to say, you're in for eternity. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Thank you, Glenda. We need a little motivation. I'm going to fire you up in a minute the other way, so get happy for a second. Heaven and hell is pass-fail. Have any of y'all had a pass-fail test? Just me. Wow. This is, uh, thank you, Linnea, for the help there. My doctoral finals, I had a pass-fail test. It wasn't A, B, C, D, or F. It was an A or an F. You passed or you failed. And if you failed, they would tie you behind their car and drag you around the campus embarrassing you for six months and then give you one last opportunity, and then they would off with the figurative head. You passed it or you failed it. Heaven hell's pass-fail. We won't look at it right now, but remember in, 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 in Revelation twenty fifteen it says, For whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. That's really negative. The positive is those who are in the book of life go to heaven. What's the book of life? The book of life is that book that's got the name of every saved person in it. Isn't that wonderful? That's absolutely, tremendously wonderful. In Exodus 32, way over at the beginning of the Bible, Moses talks about the book. They knew about the book. And, and your name can be in there this morning. The, the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ, your name got put in that book. Isn't that wonderful? You want your name in there. You do. I'm telling you. I used him in the first service. I'll use him again. Merrick didn't want to stand up there. And God says, Merrick, Merrick, none, 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 none. There's none, none. That would be bad, wouldn't it, Merrick? 
You want your name in the book. And if your name is in the book, you are going to heaven forever. The only thing that's keeping your name out of the book is Y-O-U. Because God loves you and he wants to save you if you will let him. Isn't that great? But here's the second part of this that a lot of Christians miss. We miss. We're going to be judged on how we did our life. A lot of confusion here. A lot of bad teaching here. I'm not telling you my teaching's good. I just want my teaching to be accurate. And then if it's good, then that's okay. I want to be truthful. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all, in the context of 2 Corinthians 5, he's clearly talking to Christians. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each may receive what is due him in the body, whether good or Evil. We're going to go back to that in, in a moment. But let, let me tell you just kind of briefly. If you're a Christian, the minute you were saved, your sin of unbelief was forgiven. Everything you've ever done before you're a Christian has gone. Isn't that great? God's not going to drudge back. Hey, I was just kidding on that total forgiveness deal. <laughs> Let's talk about, no, everything you've done before you were a Christian, it's gone. As a Christian, if you live close to Christ... 1 John 1, 9 was written for Christians. Write that down. If we confess, if, 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 conditional, our sins, he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. So as a Christian, you live close to Christ. You're not going to be perfect, but you're trying to live close to him. God's forgiving your sins, cleansing your sins. So you're, you're, you're preparing for that second part of the judgment. But you ask, how's God going to judge us when we stand before him? Let's go back to Revelation 20. And let's look at a little phrase here in verse 12. I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And, and they were judged according to what they had done. The word books literally means a scroll. So I don't know if God's book is going to be a scroll, a book, or it's going to be an iPad. God's got to be an Apple guy would be my guess, wouldn't you? So maybe, maybe, you know, who knows? But what he's saying here, and he uses the word books. You notice that? It's plural. Here's what most scholars say. That when we stand before God, there's going to be several books God's going to judge your life by. The book of life, that's the biggie. You want your name in there. Name on a Coke bottle is good. Name in the book of life, far better, right? But God's also got a book of deeds. God has a book of deeds. God hasn't missed anything you and I have done our whole life. Again, get forgiveness for what we've done in the past. God's, God's key, and it's going to be important in just a second. God's watching what we do. In, in Matthew 12, I believe it is, he talks about this. He talks about, he, John, excuse me, John 12, 48, he, t- he talks us that he's going to use, I believe, the Bible. The one who re- uh, rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. You know, some people believe, and I believe this, that God's going to use the Bible to judge your life and mine. Pick your translation. You're a King James guy, go for it. I'm an NLT ESV guy. God's got them all up there for you. God's going to judge us according to the Bible. God's going to judge us according to the book of deeds, and I believe that. I believe that's exactly what's going to happen. Now, you go back. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. We must all appear. We're going to all be revealed before God, before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due 
for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. See, a lot of times we think about judgment, we think only negative. The judgment can be extremely positive. See, it's a time of rewards too. This is really good. The word good there in your Bible, it says that he's going to judge us according to our, our good deeds. And look at our, our good deeds. It means what's benevolent, what's profitable, and what's useful. Listen to this. This is so awesome. You try to live for Jesus. You're not perfect, but you try to live for him. You stay close to him. You confess your sins. You walk with God. You're faithful to him. You serve him. You use your gifts. You use your money. You put him first. I want to tell you, when you stand before God, you are going to get well done, said by God. Isn't that great? How many of you like getting trophies? I'm going to tell you, God is not into participation trophies, okay? You will not get what you, you were here on earth. Here's a tra- No, that's not how it works. But the Bible says God's going to reward us. God's going to reward you for your faithfulness, for your good attitude, for the way you love people and you serve God. There's going to be a judgment for Christians on how they lived in the first part of it. It can be wonderful, but the second part of it, and you better hear this, it may go bad. At the very last word of chapter 5, verse 10, he says, I'm going to judge them by their good deeds and their bad. If you're taking notes, that word bad, it does mean what's evil, but it also means to recede or to retire. It means to pull back. So here's what I want to share with you that I think we need to hear. A lot of Christians have gotten away from God. Yeah, you're going to heaven, and man, that is absolutely the main thing, the first thing. But we've gotten away from God. We live in sin. We get out of God's will. We stay that way. Folks, as a Christian, when you sin, you're uncomfortable, right? That's the difference in the saved lost words. But here's what happens. You can fight the Holy Spirit long enough that you're comfortable in your misery. And you have lived so far below what God wants, you think that's normal. And so we do what we want. We come to church when we want. We use our money as we want. We prioritize. God's important, but there's like eight things that are more important. We don't use our gifts. We don't serve God. We don't love people. We're negative. We're divisive. And for some reason, we think God is not keeping score on that. I do not understand this, but I know it's true. I accept it as fact that God says some of us are going to get into heaven, but we're going to be spanked on the way in. Here's a powerful passage, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13 through 15. Each one's work will become manifest. How about the judgment? For the day, the judgment day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work, the life you and I have lived has been built on the right foundation, it'll survive. We will be rewarded. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but as only through the fire. Did you get that? There's no way you can misinterpret that. Here, I, I used to have a man in my a, a church where, in Texas. His name was Ed. Wonderful guy. Ed's in heaven today. Ed used to say to me, he goes, some people are going to get saved, and they're going to get into heaven, but they're going to smell like smoke when they get in there. I think that's what it's saying. I don't understand how this, this works. But I accept it as truth. That God, listen, get away from God. You go your own route. You can dull the Holy Spirit's voice in your heart. You can can dull that conviction. You can walk your own way and live your own life. 
and ruin your life and be ineffective for other people. But boy, don't ever think that God is not going to call you to account for it. I don't know who said this. It wasn't me. You can quote it, but just say it wasn't Chris. Because I don't want to take the credit for it. It's too good. How sad to stand before God someday a saved soul, but a wasted life. How sad to stand before God someday a saved soul, but a lost and wasted life. I'm a church person. I fear for many of us about this. Here's the fourth thing this morning. Non-Christians will stand before God for their comprehensive final two. Some of you are here today and you know you're not a Christian. You need to listen closely. Maybe you're on the bubble. You, you don't know whether you are or not. You're, you're unsure if you're a Christian. So let me give you what God lays out here. The first thing is you're going to answer for how you did your life. As a Christian will, so will a non-Christian. We won't look back through it, but in Revelation, remember, 20, the books are open. I believe one of those books is the Bible. One of those books is the book of deeds. As a non-Christian, God is going to judge you on how you lived your life and what you did with your life. God's noticing. God's watching. God's keeping score. Here's the second part of this, and it doesn't get any better. A non-Christian is going to have to answer why they rejected Christ here on this earth. Wow. You know, being from the South and being in the South almost my whole life, I just wonder how many of us in America have heard the gospel come to Christ a thousand times. We've got Bibles all over the place. In Ruston, you can throw a rock and hit a church on accident and then someday have to stand before God and say when he looks at you and says why did you reject me why did you I loved you I died why did you reject me the non-christian is going to have to answer to that the Christian won't and the last part of it is the worst part of it of all they will be assigned a place in hell for eternity You know, when I was growing up, I think preachers preached on hell like they were glad people were going there. I'm not glad to say that. I'm just telling you the truth. Revelation 20.15 says it as clear as it can be said. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We're going to look at heaven and hell the next two weeks, see what God says about it. How many of you remember a guy named Pat Tillman? Do you remember a guy named Pat Tillman? Pat Tillman was an NFL football player, a great patriot. After 9-11, when our country was attacked, he turned down a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract and joined the Army. He became an Army Ranger. He did two tours of duty. In his second duty tour, he was killed. And at his funeral, one of his brothers spoke, and here's what his brother said. i never forget this. He said, Pat was not religious. He didn't believe in God or any of that. He's not in heaven or he's not in hell He's just dead. Now, I want to say this. I love Pat Tillman as a person, as a football player, and as a patriot. And I would never say anything to to be disrespectful to his honor, his memory. But Chris Craig or Pat Tillman's family don't write the rules. God does. You good with that? I know you're good with me not writing them. 
The Bible says you don't get the choice. You don't just say, well, I'm just dead, or, 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 or Grandpa, they're just dead. The, the Bible says that, that we will stand before God and that, that if you die without Christ, that, that you will spend eternity in hell. The most unbelievable outcome that we can ever imagine. That's what happens beyond this life. Let me tell you an interesting academic tidbit. And it is interesting. If you took the Greek word, the Bible, whose New Testament was written in Greek, you took the Greek word judgment and you transliterated that to English. Now, transliteration is different than a pure translation. To transliterate from a, one language to another, you take literally letter by letter that word and put it into your vocabulary. And sometimes that'll be a good translation. Sometimes it may not be a little wooden. But if you take the Greek word judgment or judge and you transliterate that to English, you come to the word crisis. It's the word crisis. And I tell you this morning, the judgment's a crisis. It can be a great thing or it can be a horrible crisis. But it's your choice to be ready for it or not. My first church, we used to sing out of a little hymn book called the Heavenly Highway Hymn Book. And there was a song in there. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? I would ask you this morning, are you ready? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I I hope that there's some things that you're going to do in the next few minutes to get your life where it needs to be so you can live well and die well someday. You're here this morning and you're not a Christian. You're ready today. If you're ready right now to give your life to Christ and you're sincere, don't play games, you're sincere, pray with me. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I am a sinner. And I want, I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's Son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. Here's what we're going to do.